Thank you so much for joining in to today's podcast from Caleb Perkins Ministry. We pray that today's podcast will be uplifting and encouraging in your walk with the Lord. Now here's today's podcast. What's going on, everybody? So awesome to be back into the studio today. Today, I have with me Sir Trenton of Gill. Sir Trenton? Oh, yeah. And you know what? What? <laughs> Never gonna give you up. Yeah. You just got Rick rolled. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you. I don't. Is that is that an appropriate thing well, after that? That's, that's more for the audience. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. <laughs> You're I'm, welcome. I'm sure somebody You're, is. Am listening. I welcome? Are they welcome? You know or what? You're all welcome. We're all welcome. Yeah. Oh, man, it was such an honor to be <laughs> able to be here for that and to witness it. Um, I'll remember and mark this day in my calendar. The day you got rickrolled yeah. and desired to go and do likewise. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> You're too funny, man. Well, today um, I want to go over a few things. So one is um, unpacking things, right? So as uh, as I was talking to uh, Trenton earlier, I was telling him about this uh, encounter that I had during my morning devotion. I ended up was reading out of John chapter 13, which we're going to get into that today. And it, uh, it kind of shook me and impacted me in such a way that I ended up texting Trenton and I was like, hey, dude, we got to try and do this podcast because... I got a fresh download, and I feel like this is something that's going to be beneficial for everybody that would be listening because it's something of me in my own personal journey unpacking something that I had a presupposition to or a bias towards, right? And those presuppositions and biases are not necessarily a bad thing, but if it hinders you from seeing something new out of the Scripture, it can be, and it can limit you, right? Uh, just like uh, we'll get into John 13 and so this passage of scripture is very familiar. I mean, it's Jesus washing the, the feet of the disciples. I've heard thousands of messages on this. I've preached hundreds of messages on it myself. And it's always been from a certain slant and point of view. And this morning I was reading it and the Holy Spirit really directed me to read it again and was like, what is that saying to you? And, I, and I'll get that into and break down as we go through it. But first I want to read it. Just for the audience that maybe you haven't heard of this portion of Scripture in John 13. So I want to read it, go through it, and then tell you what I used to think on it. And it's not that it, what I used to think was even wrong. It's just that the Holy Spirit just gave me some deeper insight on it. And now I'm valuing and appreciating the Scriptures even more than what I did the previous day, which is awesome, right? That's the whole point of discipleship, right? It's growing deeper and loving God and loving the Word even more. So here in John 13, 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper uh, being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper and laid aside his garment, took a towel, and girded himself. So Jesus is getting up from the supper. They just had a supper and they engage in the supper, which is kind of significant and important into this new kind of revelation that I got on this on this particular uh, pericope, this passage of Scripture. Uh, but here in verse 5 it says, so he, he, well, he, he took his garment and he girded himself. And then verse 5, after that he poured water into a basin 
and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he had girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered to him and said, what am I doing to what I am doing to you? You uh, don't understand, but you will know after this. Then Peter said to him, "You shall never wash my feet." Jesus answered to him, "If I do not wash you, you have no part with me." So Simon Peter said to him, "Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head." Right. <laughs> so I, I do find that funny. Right. Peter's funny. I mean, you know, it, it's the dialogue between him and I learned so much between Peter's interactions with Jesus, right? It's like, you know, I'd have probably done the same thing, you know? I and, mean, Peter's and, kind of an all or nothing guy. Yeah, he's all in. He's <laughs> like, you know, and, and and so the ramifications of this, right? And I want to tell you about the, the presupposition uh, before I get to the end, because we got uh, seven verses left in this passage of Scripture, but Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. Peter comes up to him. He says, hey, what are you doing? And people might be thinking, if this is the first time you've ever heard this passage of Scripture or you've never heard anybody preach on it, right? they'll tell you the cultural context of feet washing. Right, The feet washing was uh, for the lowest servant in the house. So your slave that was at the lowest level would be the one designated for washing people's feet. And it's a cleansing ritual. And so when Jesus was going to wash Peter's feet, this is why Peter protests. He's like, Lord, you're not washing my feet. Like, that's never going to happen. Like, no, right? And uh, and Jesus is like, no, you're not understanding what I'm doing here in this moment. You need to let me do this, or you're not a part of me. And then he's like, whoa, then wash my hands and my head and wash <laughs> You know, then he, he goes the other end, right? <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just kind of interesting, right? And so here in verse 10, it says, Then Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And then verse 11, For he knew uh, who would betray him, therefore he said, Not all of you are clean. Verse 12, So when he had washed their feet and took his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for I am so. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master." nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So, just ending right there, What I, I'll, t- I'll talk about the presupposition. So the presupposition, what I've heard as far as you know, my, my previous thoughts of the Scripture going into it, and what I've preached from before, was that Jesus was displaying this act of humility um, and being placed in the lowest spot in the house and was washing their feet, showing them that even when you are the highest in, because Jesus would have sat at the highest spot in the table, he would have had the greatest honor there inside of the building, and in this moment, culturally, right, he's washing their feet, which is the lowest portion, and this is why Peter objects to it. And so then the takeaway is that I had always thought was, well, it's based on, uh, the action, 
Well, the action was Jesus washes the feet. Well, here's something that's interesting. So I was reading that scripture, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, is that what that means? And I'm like, well, yeah, right? You, Jesus wants us to be servants. We're supposed to have servanthood. We're supposed to you know, be in this place of humility, regardless of our rank, our stature, our accolades, anything that we've done, we should always have that servant mindset. And the Holy Spirit was like, read it again. So I read it again. And then it was like, read it again. And I read it again. And then all of a sudden, uh, I heard the Holy Spirit say, what is the motivation, not the action? And that wrecked me. So now I'm sitting there reading the scripture, understanding, well, what's Jesus's motivation for washing their feet? It's not the action of washing feet because they don't start a washing feet ministry, right? And we don't see in Scripture anymore where they're washing each other's feet. Right. Right? Like, they don't do that. So I'm like, okay, Jesus told them to do this, and if you know these things, it's going to benefit you. And then what is the motivation? Well, the motivation starts with uh, when he was talking about that he has loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. Who did he love? He loved the disciples. So it was this intense love. The, the motivation behind the foot washing was this intense love, this sacrificial love that Jesus had for the disciples. And that was the motivation, right? Yeah. And that can go into anything, right? If you have this intense love, well, you're going to go and you're going to do whatever is necessary to make ministry happen, to make family happen, to make commitment happen, to make covenant happen. Like those who love, uh, the, those who have been forgiven much love much, yes, but those who love much will do much, right? Yeah. Like it, it's that sacrificial love. And so the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me this morning about, you know, this intense love. And that was the what he was wanting to convey to the disciples, not just the, not the act of foot washing. He said, no, I love you guys this much that even one of y'all that's betraying me, I'm going to wash his feet too. I'm going to do this. And it's not so much in the action, though he used the action as an illustration, right? And uh, and it got it just got me thinking about intense love and, you know, going beyond ourselves, not out of behavioral modification or, you know, uh, for our own sake, but really just going in there because we have that, that heart alignment, that heart realignment. Yes. Uh, I know I say this a lot, but I think it really is all centered down to motive matters. It's all about what is your why? Why are Mm -hmm. you doing what you're doing? Yeah. It's not really what you're doing, but why you're doing it. I mean, you can do a lot of things out of obligation, duty. uh, It's drudgery. Yeah. Uh, You can even do it if you're commanded to do it, but it doesn't mean you're doing it because you love anybody. Right. Um, So... Really, the big question is, is your motive love, which I think causes us to question, like, <laughs> well, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> don't hurt me. <laughs> but no what more. is love? Da, da, da. I think yeah. that's a really important question to ask. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's different kinds of love, as you know mm-hmm. from the Greek, mm-hmm. Caleb. But for the reader's sake, uh, like, it all... S- I'll just summarize it, shorten it down to it's all the what they call agape love. Yeah. It's selfless, sacrificial love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, John, in what you read, but if you go later in another book he wrote, the first John, mm-hmm. um, I kind of had notes here and 
this Bible over here, kind of juggling <laughs> stuff. Juggle. But uh, in like First John 4, 7 to 8, he's talking about, you know, we need to love one another, and love comes from God. And anyone yeah. who loves mm-hmm. is a child of God. But verse 19, 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. Yeah, yeah. And really the motive in that, and the thing I wanted to share actually comes back from uh, Proverbs, which is some wisdom for everybody. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Yeah. And that kind of goes with what Jesus was saying with, out of the heart comes the abundance of what you speak, what you do. Yeah. So it's all motive. Yeah. I, and you know, and that's a good point, Trenton. And we could just take we could take it any anything topically, right? You could grab prayer and say, okay, you you talk to a Christian and you're like, why do you pray? And they could say, well, I'm commanded to pray. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's my religious duty and obligation to pray. You know, very few would you see a Christian or a believer say, because I love God and I want to communicate with Him. Like, and that's the real reason, right? That's the reason you should pray. Yeah. is because you are wanting to send up a dialogue and a communication with an almighty, eternal God. This is not a uh, have to, it's a you get to, Yes. right? And it's the same way, let's use another topical thing, evangelism. Okay, why do you evangelize? Well, the Great Commission, we're commanded to. No, I love God, and I love the people that God loves, so I want to go and see them saved. I don't want to see them go to hell. Like, I want to... Fulfill all the things that God has called me to. Why? Because I have an intense love inside of me. And, you know, and I think that the, it, religiously, we've used that, uh, the word love, and it has a, a, a negative feminine context to it. And this is why uh, men in the church, men in the body of Christ, men anywhere are very hesitant when you talk about love because this is not the ooey gooey. Uh, butterflies and goosebumps type of of love that I'm talking about. This is an intense masculine love. This is this is what Jesus had when he was on the cross. He had an intense sacrificial masculine love. Yeah. He, he was like, if it costs me my very life, I'm going to fulfill the things in which I was called to. That for this purpose I have come. Right. And I think about uh my military service. Right. There's two different types of of uh, leadership philosophies. One, that you want you, the people that's under you, your subordinates, to fear you, right? And there's a lot of military leaders that do that. It's a it's toxic leadership, really, right? You want your people to fear you. Why? You're the sergeant major. They're afraid you're going to crush their soul. So they're like, oh, stay off sergeant major's grass. He'll, he'll annihilate you, right? And then there's this fathering, like masculine love that it's like, they, and we'll call it love, though in the military they wouldn't, they would be like, oh, love, that's for sissies type deal. But it is love, but it's a fathering love, right? Yeah. And it's where they see, hey, man, this guy will go the distance for me in, in training and whatever. He has my best, um, and my best, the best motives and intentions out for me. He wants me to succeed. He's here to help me grow and mature. And then they'll come to you in, the, in, their, in their time of need. Man, when you're in the firefight and the bullets are flying, the one who fears will not put his life on the line, right? Bullets are flying. It's like, oh, man, I ain't dying for Sergeant Major. Why? I'm afraid of him, but I don't love him, right? right? But when you love and you're like, man, that's that's my brother, I'm, you'll lay your life on the line for it. Absolutely. You will. 
And and as believers, that's that's what we have a a deficit of is this intense masculine love that we need to see displayed uh, out there that says, yeah, I will go the extra mile. Yeah, I will build this brother up. Yeah, I will. I will do what it takes. You know, absolutely. I I I relate that. I call it the meatloaf syndrome. It's like I will do anything for love, but yeah. I won't. But I won't do that. But I won't do that. You know, yeah. it's like because yeah. it's not committed. Yeah, it's not a committed love. Um, yeah. <laughs> And it's it, it's like I like you, but I don't love you. You yeah. know, it's like, I'm, and there's not, a lot of people that are like that. Like I like God, I like the thought of God, but I don't love God. But will right? I lay my life I'm not, down? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this because that's inconvenient. So I like God, don't love Him. Yeah. Right? And it's like what? When you read the scriptures, it's all or nothing. Right? You're either all in, you're all out. That's why I love Peter. Right? He's all he's like, yeah, I'm there. All right, I'm 100 percent in. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're not gathering, you're scattering, <laughs> and yeah, it all true. is down to that motive of love. And yeah. you're right; this, our society has so uh, distorted and disappropriated love because love is often misconstrued and confused for lust. When it's yeah. love yeah. is not an emotion or sexual intercourse at all. It's Love is a choice. Yeah, that selfless, mm-hmm. sacrificial stuff. Yeah. It's a covenant. Yeah, yeah. It's and it, it's going to lay itself down for it, right? And when you think about it in all of those intents and purposes, it's like, dude, you know, because I've heard people use that adage, right? Oh, well, we fell in love. Well, if you fell in, you can fall out, right? Yeah. And people do that a lot too in the church in the body of Christ. They're like, yeah, I fell in love with God. Now I'm out. And then I go back in, and then I'm out. And it's like, you need to stop acting like how you would uh, appropriate a a relationship, a romantic relationship with another human being to an almighty God. We do the same thing with the Heavenly Father, right? We say, oh, we try to uh, equate our own earthly father to a Heavenly Father, and it's always going to fall short. He's not human. Like, he's an almighty, powerful, almighty, loving God. Like, dude... So much so that he made every way for us to come and be joined and connected with him. And then man, with his own flesh heart and his three-pound brain, has done everything to separate his own self from God. Yeah. Like, all the time. Even with the sacrifice of Jesus. I mean, how many atheists do you talk to now that they're like, well, if God's real, I hate him. You know, it's like, dude, what? (laughs) Like, you just hurt my head. (laughs) So... Yeah, we would call that what? a straw man. Yeah, you like, you hate your own, your own imaginative, interpreted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so it's like it's that in, it's that intense level of love that we need to actually embrace and walk in. And you know, in religious circles, the number one thing they try to do is they try to go into behavior modification. Yeah. So they try to say, "Hey, you okay? You're now just going to join our assembly. You joined our club." We want you to dress like us, talk like us, act like us, have the mannerisms as us, uh, do the little mantras like us, pray like us, right? Just be carbon copies of who we are. And that's all behavior modification. That actually does nothing to the heart. No. And the the proof of that is over time, right? And then people want to know, wow, man, they were a part of this or that for so long, and they just looked so right, but inside they were wicked, and they did some terrible, awful things. Why? Because the heart never got changed, and they never really got an intense love and an encounter with God, and so they were just on behavioral modification. And a large portion of religious circles, they settle for that because that's the only way that they can explain it. Yeah. They're like, hey, well, it's in doing this, and it's doing that, and it's doing this. Like, 
John 13. Well, go wash people's feet. You know, that'll that'll make you a better, closer person to God. How? How is that doing that, right? <laughs> really, I'm serious. Especially like, if you're like yeah. hating the person while you're doing it. Yeah, like I'm going to wash this dude's foot. What's it going to do, right? And they're going to be like, well, look, because you're putting yourself in a humble spot and you're being more like Christ. No, you missed the whole point of what it was for. Why? He had the intense love for the disciples. Yes. He was showing them, listen, I will go out of my way to do what is necessary to make sure that you guys succeed in this moment, even though I'm your teacher, even though I'm be- I'm higher than you, right? He's like, I'm going to put myself in the position that's going to help you succeed. Do the same thing I am teaching you and showing you. The Apostle Paul ends up doing that with Timothy. He's like, hey, yeah, I remember when I laid the hands on you and I prayed for you. Stir those gifts up that's inside of you. No, don't let anybody forsake you for your age. No, don't do this. Don't give in to false doctrines. Teach faithful men also that they will go out and do the thing that I've called you to do. Man, you've got it. Go run the race, man. I'm being poured out. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up. So it reminds me of uh, back in a different state, different church, unmentioned, uh, we all did this outreach where we were giving food to, you know, people in need. Yeah. And there were people who were doing it because the church told them to do it. Right. Um, they were serving. Yes, they put themselves in positions of servitude. Yeah. But you can tell they disdained these people. Yeah, they did not have an intense love. Um, yeah. They would actually hand them a bag of food and be yeah. like, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. It's not exactly, but they're yeah. like, why don't you go get a job? Yeah. You know, and like <laughs> it's like if you got a job, I wouldn't have to give you this. Like, yeah, it's you know? like they <laughs> it's like okay. They had hatred in their heart yeah. rather than the motivation of doing this servitude out from love. Right. And this is exactly what God was getting at with the uh the Israelites, the mm-hmm. ancient Israelites and yeah. stuff. And I know I mentioned this before we talked, Caleb, but in Isaiah chapter one, God is even talking to the Israelites here and he's telling them like you keep doing all these religious rituals, you keep doing all these things because you're told to do them, but your heart's not in it. Yeah. And like Isaiah 1, 16, he says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away evil doings before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, like just seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead the widow, but like you should be doing all these things out from love, not yeah. just because I told you to do it. Right. <laughs> and I, you know, and I wonder, Trenton, how many people do things out of religious obligation and duty? Because people told them to do it, right? Yeah. So they're like, well, my pastor or the elder or, you know, a deacon at the church told me that I needed to do this, and I'm a member of that church, so I guess it's my Christian duty to do that. And it's like the whole time, they don't got no heart in it. No. You know, and I'm like, it would be better for you not to do it. Like, don't do it. And, will, and people say, wait, you told them not to do service like that? No, it's out of the flesh, dude. It it's is. not going to mount for nothing. You need to get your heart right first. And I'll, then th- I'll throw myself under the bus. Throw yourself under the bus. When I was uh, in my earlier Christianity days, uh, I did that. So we had a thing where they were the church was changing locations, yeah. and they had a move going on, mm-hmm. and they wanted everybody to move stuff. And I did it out of obligation, and the entire time, I just felt like I was being used or whatever, and my heart was not right. Right. I was doing it, and I was griping and grumping and Mm -hmm. the whole time. And then later, when I got back home, I was like, why was that so unfulfilling? Yeah. (laughs) Gee, I wonder why. Because your heart wasn't in it, right? (laughs) 
back to what you said, motive matters, yeah. right? And it can look, and that's what is so dangerous, man. You can deceive yourself with behavioral modification, thinking you're doing what God's called you to do, and the whole time God's like, I actually want to work on your heart. I want to fix some things because then when you do something, it'll be genuine, right? Just like yeah. uh, uh, fasting, right? It's like, well, why you fast? Well, you know, they said we got to do a 40-day fast, so everybody's fasting, so I'm fasting, and then every day they're angry and they're cussing and they're like, I don't want to do this fast, blah, blah, blah. Don't. It would be better for you not to, actually. Right. Because it's not proving the point on why you do it. You're supposed to be drawing closer to God, right? Getting that heart realignment, not behavioral modification. And that's what's so scary about it is that you can do things for years thinking that you are doing them for God. Yeah. And and people will tell you they are for God. Oh, you're doing that for God. You're doing such a great co- job. Man, you're a great Christian. Are you? <laughs> are you really? Like, check your heart, man. It is about the motives and intents of your heart. And it is about that that heart realignment, and you should continue to ask yourself that, you know? As I was reading John 13 this morning, I sat there, and I was having a heart realignment and a check. And I was sitting there, and I was asking myself, and this is the logical side of my brain, I'm like, well, you don't see the disciples going out and doing public foot washings or doing stuff like that. And I've been a part of services where we've done foot washings at churches. Yeah. You know, nothing against that, not knocking anybody that's ever done that. But it's like, but what was the reason of doing it? Well, Jesus told us to do it, so we do it. And I'm like, go deeper. What did he tell you to do? And and even when Jesus told him, he said, hey, man, you got to, in this new commandment that I give you, I want you to love them to the degree that I have loved you. Yeah. And it's like that reiteration and that that statement to the disciples, listen, what I'm showing you is an intense, aggressive love. And I want you to uh, replicate that towards the world. That's what the world needs is this level of intense love, this sacrificial love that he's like, here you go. Right? That's that covenantal love. Not lust, not emotions, not, oh, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da, you know. And it's like, because I've seen people that have had, they've had crushes on ministry. I'll call it that. They've had crushes, <laughs> infatuations, maybe would be even a better word, right? Their their heart really isn't in it, but they love the fact that they get to do ministry. Yeah. And so they actually love ministry and their God is ministry, but it's not actually a relationship with God. You know, that's a good point. I've seen some myself where uh, they're... It's really the infatuation with the position, the yes. title, yeah. and the elevated status, and like you're in the limelight, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people are looking at you like, oh, what a good person. Right. Yeah. So, uh, well, anyway, I'm not going to go yeah. there. Yeah. And then that's the, infatu- that's the infatuation part, right? And you can even trick yourself in the infatuation and say, well, yeah, it's, it's because I love this position because I love God. No, that's not actually a cause to effect, right? Yeah. The cause is you really are just infatuated with that position. Why? Because ask yourself, if that position was no longer there, would you feel and have the same intensity of what it is? And if your answer is no, then it's actually in the position and not in the one who you say you have relationship with, yeah. right? And, you know, and that's a hard thing. If you would talk to or survey pastors, ministers, evangelists uh, today, and you would tell them, hey, if you were no longer doing ministry, would you have a personal relationship with God? They might superficially say, well, yeah, I would. But then they would, I mean, really, like they see that. That's their accolade. That is their, 
their prestige. That is their level of influence that they have. And they're teaching these people, hey, behavioral modification, behavioral modification, do this, do this, do this. Oh, look at you. Yeah, you're under me, and this is why you're acting like that because I'm such a good leader. And it's like, dude, you taught them to be fake. Like, you didn't teach them really to have that heart realignment to get closer with God and to do what he's called them to do and to fulfill. Man. That's, I mean, that's a scary spot, man. So this can go for any anywhere, anything. So like, okay, you're on the choir for your church. Yeah. If you were not seen and yeah. people did not know you were singing, would you still sing? If you had to sing behind a curtain. Yeah. Would you still worship just because you got to worship? Yeah. What do you do in the secret place when nobody's looking? Oh, yes. The secret you know what place. I mean? <laughs> like, what do you do there? Man, I really think this just centers on that that Proverbs 4.23, and the heart is the start. Yes. Absolutely. It's the core yeah. of who you are, and out from it flows everything. Yeah. And you can, you can fake it for a while. You really can it's not Hollywood, though. You can't no. fake it till you make it. That's right. No, that's, that's not what you're supposed to do, but that <laughs> is what the majority of religious people tell you, right? Yeah. Is they'll say, no, all you got to do is you got to abstain from this and not do this and not do this, and, but they never tell you or direct you to God. They want you to continue to get the information from them. They hold this power and control, and then all of a sudden you see this this struggle and this dynamic that's creating, and it's a, it's a transaction model, right? They're saying, well, I'm going to give up this and act like this so that I can gain acceptance from this group. Well, that has nothing to do with God. Like, where's God in the equation? Yeah. Oh, well, we're just morally good, ethical people, and we call ourselves Christian. Well, that'd be the furthest thing from Christ-like, because the thing that defines you as Christ-like one is that you've spent time with Christ. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the point. What's your heart? Where's your heart at? What's that realignment look like? And I'm not talking about something that's crazy mystical, like seraphim are going to feed you Cheerios for breakfast, you know? I'm, I'm talking about real kingdom, relationship, real salvation, real gospel. Like, yes. It's, <laughs> it's evident, and it, it is accessible to everyone that wants that. And it is a heart alignment. I love that you keep saying that. I wish Eric was here um, so we can go into mechanics. But what happens to a vehicle if you never get an alignment? Yeah, it's it's out. It's out of sync. Man. It's out of tune. Or even it causes damage. Your camera equipment or anything, really. Your spine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're not walking correctly. I mean, there's a lot of implications on that, right? Like, if you're out of alignment, you are not able to go where you need to go you're not able to fulfill what you need to fulfill you are not in full function and operation you're actually in dysfunction you're operating outside of the original function so if someone wanted to have a heart alignment and get in alignment with their christ compass today what what would you recommend their their application steps to be like their application steps i would say first would be to, so what you do is you respond to what you've heard, right? In Matthew chapter 7, it's like, yep, many people hear, but how many people do? And so it's the hearing and the doing. So after you've heard this, if you're listening to this message and you're saying, man, that really, it either convicted me or it really got me to think about my own heart and my own alignment, man, take this time right now and, and cry out to God. Seek His face. Get into the Word. Read the Word. Go through John 13 again and realize that God loves you. He has this intense level of love for you. And He wants to see you fulfill everything that He's called you to fulfill. And He wants the real for you. He doesn't want the fake. 
Jesus came and he spoke against the religious so many so much it was not even funny. So, you know, and today we're like, oh no, that's the way to go. And I'm like, no, you better watch that. You better have a real kingdom relationship with them and be reflecting what the early church was reflecting and not what the modern contemporary church is reflecting, right? And I'm not anti-contemporary models of church and however you feel to do that. I'm just telling you, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. If he calls you to to join a church and assembly, go and do that. Fulfill those things. But maintain that relationship with him. Have that heart alignment. And then when you go and do things out of service, you're going to realize it's out of an intense love because it's a genuine love. And you're not faking it. It yeah. is real. Uh, it's And just so you know, the listener, it's it's it might be easy for you to put yourself in the position and say, well, that's that's easy for you guys to say. But even doing this uh, episode today, I wasn't really quite prepared for what we were going to talk about, and uh, it, it hit me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I need a heart alignment just as much as you do. Yeah. So it's imperative that we all do that. And, well, also why we all have the accountability and keep each other in check and sharpen each other. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're a part of the bigger body of Christ, right? And we're all in this together. And I think that that is... Uh, very comforting to know. And and also, I would encourage those that's listening to this, you might say, well, you know, I can't have my heart realigned because I have offense or bitterness or there's something here that's holding me against someone. Listen, do not compare God to any physical human being that's on this earth. Like, you can't say, well, they hurt me, and that was God's fault, and hold that against God, and that's what's separating you from Him. I don't know who that is right now, but... I just I just keep uh, feeling that you know you got to release that you got to let that go you got to look at at the Lord and understand Him that He is His ways are higher than your ways His love is way more intense for any love that you could ever have and that's why it's so imperative for you to go and seek Him don't be like Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes thinking you can hide from God that's that one it's not even logical right? God is everywhere. He can see you. He knows exactly where you are. You can't hide from him. You can't run from him. You need to sit there and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Speak to me. Correct me. Guide me. Lead me. Transform me. Whatever it looks like, I'm in, you know? And I just really want to encourage you guys with that today. And there is a specific scripture that popped into my mind while you were saying all that. Um, I don't even remember where it is, to be honest with you. But it is, like Jesus was talking about, if there's uh, anything, like you're, before you even go and put your sacrifice on the altar or whatever, yeah. and you feel like you've got unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart or something, yeah. leave your sacrifice there and then go make things right. So it's like, leave the religious ritual stuff, yeah. the servitude, whatever, and go make your heart right first, yeah. and then come back into it. Yeah, and I mean, even using that example at with the vehicle, right? Like, yeah, a vehicle can drive out of alignment, but it can't drive properly, and it's going to create additional damage. In the same way a believer is, is if they're not in that heart realignment, and they can go and do things, and they can be in behavioral modification, and they can look right, but internally they're dying. Things are getting damaged, and it only gets worse over time. Yeah. And so, you know, we just want to encourage you guys that, hey, man, Seize this moment, seize this day that the Lord has given you. Don't take it for granted, and uh, seek His face. Get that heart realignment. Step into the into those steps that He has for you, and and don't let anything hinder you from it. Don't let people talk you out of it. 
Don't let uh, circumstances and situations around you dictate your relationship with God. Like he's all he's outside of that. He is eternal. He is and, and he is wanting and desiring a relationship with you. He is wanting and desiring for that intense love to be able to flow through you and to be made manifest on the earth. Like man, this is this is time on earth as it is in heaven. And I would encourage you, even if you need to step out of your serving for just a time period in order to get right and then come back in, that's perfectly acceptable to do. Yeah. And if your leadership has a problem with it, well, he shouldn't yeah. because you should have a, your heart right in it anyway. Yeah. Tell him to email uh, Trenton at Boyless Lord. <laughs> True story. He's like, I'll take care of it. Send him my way. <laughs> Oh, too funny. Well, we love you guys. We pray that this episode has encouraged you and has uplifted you. It's been a real pleasure uh, doing this podcast today. Like I said, man, it was just one of those uh, morning uh, spurs that the Holy Spirit dwelt on me, and I was sharing it with Trenton, and I was like, man, we really got to do this. This is going to be important, and I pray that this has encouraged you and has uplifted you, and it's helped you in your walk and your journey with God. Uh, We're praying for you, and uh, definitely be praying for us as well. We love all of you guys. Thank you so much for joining in today's episode. If you would like to learn more about Caleb Perkins Ministries, please go to www.calebperkinsministries.com.